Well, hello and welcome to our first ever episode of Breathing Room. I'm your host, Rob Lavati, and I'm very excited today to be joined by my good friends, Kat Dolan and Nathan Robinson. I'm coming to you today from the Asheville Play Studios in Asheville, North Carolina, and just want to give a big shout out to our producer, Matt Dunn of AV Live for making this all possible today. Oh, all right. So I'm excited. I'm overwhelmed. I'm feeling good. It's great to be doing this today. It's been about uh, two years in the making, and I'm really excited to finally uh, bring this idea to fruition and make this a reality. So um, just a little bit about what Breathing Room is all about and how the idea came to be. Um, I moved to Asheville in October of 2017, which was just about a month after my father committed suicide. Um, And it's been a hell of a ride since then. I've made a lot of mistakes, made a lot of connections, and I'd like to think made a lot of progress. Um, I feel like I'm doing much better now and learning some every day. And I wanted to be able to take that and put that into a format where I can essentially collaborate with local artists, creatives, and even just local humans and let them share their backstories promote their crafts and really just kind of share the deeper backstory in a way that feels meaningful about the art that they create. Um, Something I'd like to be very open and vocal about is my experience with mental health and also the mental health opportunities or experiences of my guests um, as comfortable as they feel to get into it. Um, Just understanding the number of creatives who are at the end of the day dealing with their own mental opportunity. I think it's something that's very common um, in our peers. So that's something that I'd like to pull on and give the platform an opportunity for people to, to be able to share what's going on in their worlds. What what kind of thoughts, feelings are they bringing into their writing and how does that come out and how would they like people to digest and take that information in? Um, Something I've learned along my journey is just how important it is to remain connected and find the room to breathe. Um, So with that, let's take 10 seconds, create some breathing room. Um, This will be silent intentionally. Let's just take some time, 10 seconds, focus on your breath, and let's get prepared to have some good conversation. All right, awesome. It always feels good to breathe. We forget to do it sometimes, but it does feel good to be intentional about it and really go through the motions there. So just a little bit about myself. You guys obviously have a little bit of insight here, but um, as I said, my name is Rob Lovati. Um, I'm 28 years old and currently live in Asheville, North Carolina. Um, I was born and raised in New Jersey, Um, so I'm sure Kat and I will get into that a little bit at some point here. Um, As my day job, I work as a consultant in the tech field and have through that, I think, had a lot of unique and organic experiences where I've been put into situations where I have to collaborate with people in this way and get to be the one asking the questions and really get to be curious and learn a lot about the people that I'm interacting with. Um, Some of my side hobbies include going to therapy straight up. I do that a lot. It's been good for me. So that will probably come out at some point in the conversation. Um, Working with local artists in a management or agent capacity. I've been doing that for about a year on and off. Um, I play music myself. I don't like to call myself a musician, um, but I do play um, and always enjoy opportunities where I can do that and share with people in that way. 
Um, I like working and volunteering at local events. It's been mostly music festivals for me lately, um, something I've really enjoyed doing and getting involved from kind of that side of the industry in event production and really helping make, th- uh, make things happen. And finally, I've really taken a lot of time lately to try to start and continue the conversation around suicide. Um, that's not the intent of this podcast. That's not what it's about or the show, I should say. Um, but it has definitely been a catalyst for me in being more open and vocal about what I'm struggling with and paying more attention to those around me and making sure that I'm asking the right questions of my loved ones. If I could tell that they're struggling, you know, um, so At this point, I'd like to jump in and introduce the two guests that I have on today. Really excited to be joined by them, both uh, good friends of mine. Um, Kat Dolan is a general badass. Uh, I've had the opportunity to meet Kat in the past couple months here, and she's a poet, uh, creative, an entrepreneur, and in my opinion, really just an all-around thought leader when it comes to suicide and social isolation. Um, She started her nonprofit organization, Out of Your Mind. Um, So I'm really excited for her to share about that and kind of tell us what she's been working on lately. And then I'm also joined by Nathan Robinson. Um, Nate is less of a badass, but he's still cool. I would say he's a madass. (laughs) You see what I did there? I did. Yeah, I like that. Nate goes by the stage name Mad Robinson. Um, He's a local singer-songwriter, a busker, um, and really just a very talented musician that I've grown really close to over the past couple years. Um, Nate has an EP on Spotify. You can check it out. It's titled Ramblin' Fever. Um, he also has a couple videos up on YouTube that I hope we can talk about a little bit today at some point. Um, and he's always working on writing something new. So that's something I'm curious on pulling on to, uh, today, Nate, is where you find that just consistent energy to want to be writing. Because I know that takes a lot and you really have to kind of force yourself to be in a place to write a poem or write a song or finish those things. So I'd like to hear how you continually seem to find that motivation to keep writing. Um so, Kat, why don't you just go ahead and give us a quick interju- introduction, let us know a little bit about Out of Your Mind, some of the things that you've been working on, um, maybe any performances that you've had or that you have coming up or open mics you've attended, just uh, kind of the floor is yours if you want to share what you've been working on. Okay, I'll give you a quick synopsis. Um, yeah, my name is Kat Dolan. I was born and raised in New Jersey. I'm 27 years old. I moved to North Carolina five years ago. After um, I was on a road trip and I got caught in the fog on the parkway and kind of ended up in in Boone, uh, just outside of Boone, and I've been there ever since. I started Out of Your Mind, which is a creative approach to mental health. Started that in May of 2018. So we're about a year and a half old. We're still kind of in the baby stages, but um, it's a phenomenal organization. It's um, my true passion. Uh, That's why I started it. And our mission is to combat social isolation through creative peer support and then reframe mental illness as a mental opportunity. Um, So what that kind of entails is that um, growing up, I was always told, having struggled with depression and anxiety, I was always told I was not alone, but I I didn't really believe anybody because where were all the people? There was no one right. I was always talking to adults about uh, mental health. Mm-hmm. So, um, out of your mind, its intention is to bring to life the phrase "You are not alone." And so, we put on three to four events every month in Boone, North Carolina, and Winston Salem. Um, and that could be a variety of things. We do open mics, group hikes, um, self defense classes, watercolor classes, aerial silks, short story book clubs, and kind of whatever 
I feel like doing. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. I'm in charge of putting all the events on. Mm-hmm. So we kind of get the whole gamut and it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I, uh, my, my day job, I do a lot of odd jobs, you know, it's kind of like the mountain hustle. So, um, my, my real focus is I do inspirational speaking for suicide prevention and, um, high schools and at the college level as well. I also talk to business professionals, um, and at mental health conferences and, uh, film festivals more recently. Um, but when I'm not doing that, when I'm trying to make ends meet, I do a variety of things. I do house sitting. Uh-huh. Um, right now I'm, I'm working on a Christmas tree farm, which is a lot of fun. Um, if I didn't nice like hard labor, I mean, if I didn't like Christmas before, I surely don't now. Right. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> killed it for you. It's just <laughs> ridiculous. But, uh, yeah, it's a really good time. And so, um, yeah, I, I've, uh, I've. For the past three and a half years, I've been living in a vehicle. So I was living in a school bus for three years and um, and been in and out of living in various cars. Um, right now I'm in my van, my uh, da- my good old Dodge Ram yep. conversion van. So um, yeah, that's kind of uh, where I'm at right now. Very cool. Yeah, thank you for sharing everything there. And that's certainly something I want to get into in just a few minutes here is what it's been like living out of your vehicle, Mm -hmm. some of the challenges that come with it that maybe most people wouldn't expect or anticipate. Um, And maybe talk about some of the stigma that's around van life. I think there's definitely some of that still underlying and maybe you have family members or friends who aren't too keen on your living in a vehicle. Mm -hmm. Be curious to pull on that and talk about it. And also, I think I'd really like to talk about, Kat, how you got started with Out of Your Mind, where the manifestation of that idea came from and um, what you're bringing to the table with you. I think that's really helpful for people to hear. Cool. Yeah, definitely. Cool. So, Mr. Robinson, Nathan Robinson, why don't you go ahead and give us a little overview as well? Um, tell me about the videos for Rambling Fever as well as Hay Bales, um, what the process was like working on those for you, and anything that you've been working on or plan to work on in the near future. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. Let me start from birth here. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> Please don't. Okay. No, yeah. Um, I've been in and out of Asheville, um, this area, for the last um, 15 years or so. Um, And I found songwriting. uh, When I came back here, after I got out of the military, I played while I was in. And um, then I really just fell in love with the art of songwriting when I got out. And found that as a a huge, you know, a, a coping like an outlet. So, um, yeah, I've been, uh, I worked on, I had a couple videos, Rambling Fever. I went out to California and that's when I was, uh, packed up my car and, you know, just lived down the road and played music and right. Yeah, it was great. And then I went, I went and stayed with my cousin in LA and, um, we worked on Rambling Fever for a couple months and made that and it was a blast. Um, and then, uh, I came back here, I left again, uh, you know, that was that was uh, two years ago when I made that video. Um, and I came back here and we shot uh, Hay Bales with uh, Mr. Matt Dunn over here. And um, that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. 
Um, I was I was there, so you're not telling me, but just go ahead and give a little bit of background on where that idea came from, where we filmed it. Um, it'd be helpful, I think, to provide some of that commentary. And okay. if anybody hasn't seen those videos, go check out on YouTube. They're both listed under Mad Robinson. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. you can find both of those, and um, you'll have an idea what we're talking about here. Yeah, so uh, the character from the Hay Bales video just randomly came. We just... We were having lunch on a Sunday afternoon, and I was wearing some dark blue jeans with a, a light blue button-down shirt, and I looked like I was from uh, a prisoner from Shawshank Redemption, my buddy <laughs> Dempsey Jones said, who me and him worked on the song together. Um, so we were like, hey, let's shoot a video, you know, and it just kind of all came together. And um, while we were shooting, I just kind of found this character, this uh, a character who had spent most of his life life in and out of prison and um, gets released from prison and just doesn't know how to adapt in society. So yeah, I don't know. I just I just came up with the character and ran with it. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It just kind of it created itself. You scared my grandma. Good. I showed her the video, and she it took some explaining. She was quite afraid. That's, okay, good. Perfect. So you nailed it. Whatever nailed you were it. trying yeah, to do, you nailed people. it. <laughs> Maybe scaring myself, but yeah, I think not. it's important to do that. Yeah, keep yourself on the edge, you know. Yeah. So um, yeah, and now I'm working on uh, just writing some stuff. I have an idea for an an album that I want to write, so I'm just like pushing on that pushing on right absolutely yeah. yeah yeah it takes a lot of time and energy i think to get an album together right make sure you have your concept down yeah actually get to recording there's a lot that goes into that process right yeah i've always uh, like i've always um had ideas for songs and they kind of change from day to day or idea from idea but this i want one idea for you know a whole piece and an album yeah, so you so, really want, yeah, want, I want it to be conceptual. This, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. great. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited. So I'm just that's what I'm working on now. Cool. Very cool. Yep. Something I wanted to pull on that I think I just heard you said, and Kat, I want to see if you can relate, is having a lot of song ideas or having a lot of poem ideas, things that come to mind in the moment, you get started, and they maybe never see a true proper finish. Is that something that you've experienced in your writing process? I know that when I'm writing, I often have the ADHD kick in and I won't be able to work on a full song. I'll jump over to another partially written song and then jump over to yet another and struggle with that next level to go and actually complete something. Yeah, I mean, uh, that happens to me all the time. There's so many um, bits and pieces. I, I always tell people if I ever if I ever find my body in a car accident, cancel, cancel. You can look. You should check the floor for the note that I was writing because I was right. writing like a line that came <laughs> yeah. to me. And it was right. really good, and that's why. Um, yeah, but I think that it's it's nice to have those bits and pieces um, because. With poetry uh, and and sure with songwriting, everything's connected. So you find one thread, and then you kind of just piece the threads together. And sometimes the threads are short, and sometimes they're long, and they're they're fully thought out. Um, but as long as you 
put them down and you don't you know lose the albatross um, right uh, you can always go back to them and keep going and um, sometimes the thought will stick with you and you'll keep going over and over in your head for example nobody but myself took me probably two and a half years to write wow. I had the first mm-hmm. line for two years and then slowly pieced it together and it all came out in one afternoon that's great so it's always good to keep those little bits yeah mm-hmm. isn't that amazing yeah. when it happens it's kind of like getting a straight line in a Tetris Tetris game <laughs> where you maybe have a couple disparate things that you've written and somehow they piece together and make a cohesive work and you're the only one who's psyched <laughs> right right that's all that matters sometimes yeah, right. yeah, that's exciting stuff yeah so yeah. Nate what's that experience been like for you Oh man, I'm very scattered, especially lately um, with writing. I'm just kind of all over the place because, you know, I have that one main idea and um, um, I'm writing something, not daily, but close to it. And it's like something different. So I have so much um, to pull from right now. Um, So I guess the hard part is just like honing in on those pieces and getting a cohesive voice i think that's the most difficult part especially when you're putting something together like an album or like a book of poetry it's like it's got to all yeah kind of linked together can't be so random or right there has to be some kind of commonality right yeah Yeah, i think uh, as the creator of those works we can often overanalyze and get really stuck on uh, this one doesn't really fit the theme or the message but if you take a step back you can you can make it fit. You can force fit the piece and it could be something that does fit the overall plan, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I've done that a lot in the past is just kind of like, all right, I'm going to finish this song. I'm really excited about it. So I'm going to throw it together real quick. And so now I'm like taking a step back. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to put a little more time and thought into this. Cause I want it. I'm, I love this piece and I want it to right. be a little more special and I'll really want to put the right pieces together. You know? Yeah, definitely. Cool. So what I'd like to talk about right now is pull on an experience that I know you both have had. Kat, as you said, you're kind of currently living in your vehicle right now. Nate, I know you've done that in the past. You've traveled around the country in your van. Let's talk a little bit about what living out of your vehicle is actually like for you. Um, What are some of the biggest challenges? And I'm curious how it impacts your writing. Biggest challenges? Oh, gosh. you want to go first? Uh, biggest challenges of living in the van. Yeah, yeah I'm I mean, curious. Um, it's a very common thing. I mean, something yeah. you're seeing more and more, especially in the Asheville area. There are a lot of people willingly choose uh, to live out of their vehicles and seem to take a lot from it. So what, is, what has it been for you guys? Maybe um, privacy or f- trying to find some isolation. Yeah. On top of, you know, showering. If you don't, if you're traveling and you don't have a gym membership or you do have a gym membership, because that's how I did it. Right. You know, and there's not one within 300 miles. You got to figure out, you know, a way of cleaning yourself, hygiene. Yeah. (laughs) You know. I think it's romanticized in that sense. And it's so funny that so many people are, um, I mean, online, it's, it's so glorified and everything, but... I've been to van life rallies before just for like tips and tricks on how to keep mm-hmm. insulate the van and things like this. And I have yet to meet someone who meets lives in their van full time. Mm. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's not a thing. It's just, it's a, it, it could be for certain elongated periods, but 
I mean, you, you just can't. You really, you can't. Mm. You can't. It's, it's so difficult and right. for the reason for showering, for the reason for not having privacy or isolation or, I mean, think about it. Um, I, I recently uh, moved into a room in, in a barn even, and I remember the first day I was there, I just sat in my room and read all day because I hadn't mm. been able to sit in my room. Yeah, you crave that space. Just just yeah. sit, and during the day, just sit in one room because right. it's too hot in the van, too cold in the bus, you know, I always had to be somewhere during the day and, and right. you know, you're really in your van or bus or whatever to sleep. Right. Um, and that's kind of it. You really can't do much else. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, yeah. I guess that is the hardest time or hardest thing is like spending time in your van. You yeah. know, like you got to have a really comfortable van to like <laughs> right. want to just chill yeah. in there. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was kind of difficult. Tell me about your vans. I want to hear you have a Dodge Ram cat. That's right. I do. I have a, I have a, it looks like a Scooby-Doo van. It's so sketchy. Um, uh, yeah, I have a van. I, I got it uh, three years ago when I came back from New Zealand. I was living over there for about five months, and I was living in a Subaru Impreza that I had bought. Um, and so coming back and buying the van was just the lap of luxury. Right. <laughs> Big upgrade. Just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> to not have to sleep in the back seat, to actually be able to sleep diagonal and fit pretty okay was, was amazing. Um, yeah, but the van is, it smelled, I, I call it the litter box mm. um, because it, it's start, attractive. it smelled like a litter box when <laughs> I got it. It was super moldy and leaky, um, and it's still that, but I took the rug out, so it doesn't smell as bad. But what kind of van do you have? I had, um, it was a, a Plymouth, uh, whatever it is, I don't, I can't even remember the name of the... The Plymouth minivan. Yeah, you know those gray, <laughs> it was like a 93 Plymouth, I the name of the van is. I can just, see it. I yeah, know you can see. About. It's got the one sliding door. It's the one on the cover of uh, El Camino yep. for the Black Keys. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah, okay, it was yeah, one of those, sick. just a gray one. So, yeah. and I moved into that from uh, an Impreza. Did you it was really? A hatchback one. <laughs> yeah. You had a hatch. I did not have a hatchback. Oh man, that's yeah, that's oh, pretty that's rough. rough. I know. Yeah. That's super rough. I could like I could stretch out and my feet would you know just kind of stick into the dash a little bit. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, it was luxurious. For me, oh, kind yeah. of. Well, I mean, as much as it can be. As much as a van can be. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so, Nate, would you say that you're between vans right now? I know you're often longing <laughs> um, to uh, get am, back into one. Yeah, I'm longing, dude. I'm in a house and it's <laughs> too damn big. I got too yeah. much room. I just can't wait to be squashed into a van again. Isn't it so funny? Because you talk about the challenges and how people romanticize it and how nobody can, you know, it's true. Nobody right. can live in a van full time. But then you get into a house and you're like... Yeah, you miss oh it. my gosh, like everything's so convenient, like indoor plumbing. Like mm-hmm. I remember I moved into a house or anytime I'm in a house, I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can hear the refrigerator humming and I think I'm going to lose my mind. Like right. I think I'm going to lose it. And just the fact of not being able, you're so removed from nature in a house. Like I, I, I really need to be able to wake up and know I wake up, I'm on the earth time, you know, I wake yep. up at the sun and I go to sleep mm-hmm. at the sun. I know exactly what temperature it is outside because... I touch my window. Right. <laughs> I breathe out hot air, you know. And right. I can tell by what cloud I make if I'm gonna freeze today or not, you know. You should be a weather person. That's <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> Just breathe on a window, like up oh, forty two. Yeah. It's forty two exactly. Yeah, it's a nice thing. It's being like very close to nature. Not 
not straight up homeless where you're always in nature, but you're <laughs> close to homelessness, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you're teetering yeah. that line. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. What are your favorite parts? What are some things that you miss when you move back to a home maybe? Um, what are some things that you look forward to and Nate, maybe some of the reasons that you want to get back out there? Um, the freedom. Yeah. A little more freedom and like maybe like less bills. I would, I'd like to cut out bills, you know, right. paying rent. That's just money going to the wind where I can like put it into something that I, that I want, you know, I could to buying a nice van or whatever. Um, yeah, man, and just like going and sleeping anywhere I want. Mm-hmm. Like I could, I could go out and sleep in the woods somewhere. Right. You know, I love the freedom. Yeah, really. It is the freedom. I think it really is the freedom. It's also been um, a game changer for my anxiety. You know, I got the talking really? about fight or flight. You know, mm-hmm. um, I get, I like to run. I definitely am a runner when things um, get tough or I feel. Um, I feel like I'm not creating. I just I'll go and put myself in a new situation so I can actually raw learn again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having everything in my van, knowing that I can leave at any moment and come back at any moment, but especially just leave at any moment, it's been done wonders for my anxiety. It calms me down greatly. I don't I, um I don't feel trapped and mm-hmm. I don't feel trapped anymore. I never get that feeling, which is great. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it's a safe place that you can go and disconnect. I know that, Kat, you often, even if you're staying with a friend, will still sleep in your van. Yeah. It's just a comfortable place. It's where you know. It's comfortable, and it's also uh, something concrete, uh, something something the same, um, because it's really disorienting to wake up somewhere where you don't recognize right even if you're first second you're like where am i and then oh i remember okay i'm here but even if i'm at a friend's house i'll stay in my van because i'll wake up and i'm like okay i'm in my van i don't even have to think twice about it um and it because it, it to wake up with a really quick anxious thought is not the best it's like drinking too much coffee like rob <laughs> it's like <laughs> a gave ca- it away? caffeine shot to the right, brain it's right, no fun right yeah so something I'm curious about is the, and I think I brought it up before, is the stigma that's around the van lifestyle. I know when I think of living in a van, the first thing that comes to mind for me is the SNL skit, yeah. right? In a van down by the river. Yeah. And so it's it's not something that has been romanticized in our society. And I can definitely imagine that you've had some hurdles to overcome just in maybe getting full approval from those around you. Have you run into that at all? What are some of the challenges? challenges that you've had how do your parents feel about it maybe did it take them some time to warm up um yeah when i first moved into my vehicle my dad told me he was like you're gonna be like your uncle rod <laughs> and my uncle rod he was in and out of prison his whole life <laughs> and, and uh uh on the spectrum if you will mm-hmm. and um yeah so he had a he had a rough life He's a whole nother topic. Right. But <laughs> yeah, so um that was automatically like, oh you're it was like you're going downhill, like you're moving into your car. You know, which I it could be, or it just could be an experience. Right. And that's what it was. It was a great life experience. So Definitely. Yeah. It's definitely at, that. At what point do you think your dad kind of turned changed his tune on that a little bit, or does he still not see eye to eye with it? 
I'm not sure. I've been in a house for a year, and now he sees me uh, a little a little more stable ground. So I think right. if I were to move back into a van, he's like, oh, I don't know. What are you doing, Nato? <laughs> You're going to be like Uncle Rod. You're going to be like Uncle Rod. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it's tough. I mean, a lot of people, mm, I don't know. No one said anything, but you feel people's energy. You know, when I pop open my double side doors at seven in the morning and I crawl out and smelling however I smell for right. however many days I've been on the road and people mm-hmm. give you looks, you know, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, when I go into to get coffee at some place and I'm brushing my teeth in the bathroom and washing my face and I come out and, you know, just mm-hmm. it looks like I've just washed my face. You get, you right. get a look or if you go to the laundromat and you pull all the sheets out of your van, you know, people kind of give you a look. But, um, I don't, you know, I don't really know why. I guess I, I think I'd like to think that a bit of it is curiosity. I was just about to say that. Yeah, I don't really think it's judgment too much. I, th- I, I really truly think it's curiosity, and even if it was judgment, judgment, mm-hmm. you know, I'm from Jersey, so I don't, I don't care. <laughs> thick skin, <laughs> thick skin. So yeah. What are you looking at? Yeah, uh-huh. got a problem. Yeah, <laughs> keep it to yourself. <laughs> yeah. What? Give me, give me one of your better on the road stories. Being in the van, maybe at a time where it seemed like things couldn't go worse, and then they do. I imagine when that happens, when you're on the road, uh, you can definitely run into some challenges, and you're kind of at the mercy of the performance of your vehicle if you have a destination to get to. Um, Nate, there's one story that comes to mind of an experience that you've had that is related here. Yeah. Um, Which one is that? Is that losing my vehicle completely, or...? You want to hear that, that one? <laughs> that, that one comes to mind too. That's a yeah. good one. Well, there's yeah. Um, so I completely lost my vehicle. I lost my brakes coming down the PCH, um, and I was coming up to a one-lane road where the road had fallen out. You know, it's that part where the ocean is on this side, and there's a big cliff on this side. And there's a red light, and there's three cars sitting at the red light. And I'm hitting the brakes, and I'm pulling my e-brake, and nothing's happening. I'm doing like 35, 40. So I weave around the three cars and in between the car and the the concrete barrier and onto the one-lane road towards oncoming traffic. And so I run up onto the embankment, and that stops me. But it totals my car. Right. Um, So, yeah, at that point, I had lost my car. I was like 15 miles from town, so I kind of Fred Flintstoned it down to town the next day um, and sold it for 20 bucks because no one was taking any scrap metal at the time and it, <laughs> it wasn't worth anything. And uh, the guy gave me 20 bucks and a ride back to town. And so I went from there with without a vehicle and that was a whole new experience you right know? Yeah. right at that point you crashed your house i crashed my house yeah and i took only what i could carry um and it was great man that's that's where rambling fever came from i i went homeless from northern california and like hiked it down to san francisco and got a bus to la and stayed with my cousin yeah and that's where that video came from so I, you know, I can't complain. It was, it was uh, scary, and it was, it was definitely an experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
that, you definitely put me there with you, and I can't really imagine what I would do in that situation. It sounds like you did a good job, so kind of like Bruce Willising your way. Yeah, Bruce Willis it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I can't imagine being in that position where it's like, okay, where am I staying tonight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just um, adapting, right? I had a friend like who lived forty minutes away, so that was like, I I took a bus and I went and stayed with her for a week. And we played music. She's a musician. And I kind of like got my head on my shoulders and I realized, you know, that that wasn't my end destination staying there. I was like, I got to keep moving. I got to keep the wheels rolling, even though they're feet now. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So it was great. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. You were able to take something from it that maybe you weren't expecting. And probably didn't appreciate at the time. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't know what to do. Yeah. Really, but um, all in all, it's it's kind of like what I set out to do. Like, I I left with the the fear of not knowing, you know. And it's like that's where true adventure comes from, you know. It's just not knowing what you're getting yourself into, really. Yeah. You know? And then something like that happens, and it's. It's wonderful, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you really only have yourself in those situations. I think that's one thing that van life has taught me or living in a vehicle. It's like, okay, if I freak out right now, I'm just going to be freaking out. And that's not going to help me figure out Mm -hmm. what's going on. And the adventure begins when everything goes wrong. And so Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, okay, I guess I'm not meant to have a car. (laughs) Yeah. And it it really builds some inner confidence and you can find some strength within it. And that can like definitely help your mental health oh, yeah. as well you know your self-worth and that's a powerful drug yeah. self-confidence yeah, yeah, yeah it really yeah. is yeah you are your home you and are when your you're, home. yeah and when you're backed up against a wall like that and you really have to get creative and figure out what you're going to do i think that's a really good time for that to shine through mm. totally um so neat i think now's a good time you you have a song that is uh related to living out of your van Mm-hmm. It's called Blue. Yeah. Um, you want to play that for us real quick? Yeah, I'll play it. Yeah, yeah. play the song. Yeah, that'd be great. And then I'd love to spend a couple minutes talking about it and what went into the writing of it and uh, what, kind of what feelings it brings up for you now that you're playing it. Okay. <clears throat> okay, all right. Yeah, so I wrote it in my van. Days in a van Coming up with what I can Writing down rhymes with my hands I'll tear a hole in outer space I'm blinking eye just in case Amen, we're staring at the moon Oh, there's a girl in the parking lot A boy on a skateboard, he cusses a lot And I don't think his mom would approve Thank you. 
could bleed a sweeter shade of blue Thanks for sharing, man. Yeah. So I really, I really enjoy that song. I, I think I ask you to play it for me more often than any other song. Right. Um, when I hear it, I can almost picture you being in the van. For some reason, the sun is rising or setting. Yeah, more <laughs> setting. <laughs> just kind of sitting there with maybe not much to do, but write that song. Tell me a little bit about what that process was like writing it for you. 
where were you? What was going through your mind? And what does it feel like when you uh, when you play it now? Um. Well, uh, it always takes me back. It's one of those songs that that paints a picture in my head and takes me back to where I was. I was in Breckenridge, Colorado. This was last summer, and I was in the the Plymouth. The Plymouth, whatever it was. <laughs> Black Keys. Hey, yeah. Jamie, look that up. Jamie, look that up. <laughs> Voyager, maybe? Is that it? I don't that know. That sounds cool. <laughs> that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it was a Sunday afternoon, evening, and I was in my van with nothing else to do besides do what I love and write a song. And... Um, I think the song was like a, um, it's like a letter from my people back here, um, you know, asking me, when am I going to come home? Right. You know, and the verses is like me saying, you know, where I am and what I'm doing and kind of just being this, uh, the manic part of me, like these lines that some of the lines didn't you know didn't even make sense to me at the time right but when i think of them now it's like wow that was just um that was just me just like the crazy weird thoughts of i'm out on the road and i'm like ah, I'm just come up with these stupid lines or whatever right um yeah uh where was i <laughs> <laughs> that's a great question nate and, uh, <laughs> yeah yeah. I didn't follow you one bit. No, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Did anything come up for you, Kat, in hearing that? Was there anything um, that you wanted to kind of pull on? If not, I have another question lined up. So I just wanted to give you the opportunity. I just really enjoyed the imagery. And like you said, I can really feel and kind of see, visualize where you were. Um, kind of, you know, I got the whole in the van at sunset. I can mm-hmm. relate. So yeah, it was really lovely, lovely song. Yeah. Yeah, it's always nice when <clears throat> you listen to a song or a poem and you can almost close your eyes and picture yourself there. Mm-hmm. That's something that I try to let happen naturally, if I can. Mm-hmm. I close my eyes a little bit there and it was working, so Very cool. good job with the imagery. Cool. Well, let's uh, shift gears just a little bit. I want to talk about uh, some heavy, heavy shit here. I want to talk about depression and anxiety. Um, we've had the chance to talk a little bit about this beforehand. And I think we can all relate on this front with dealing with our own mental opportunities here. I think some of us even have our own diagnoses and things that we've struggled with over the years. Um, so maybe to kind of kick things off, Kat, if, if you would, would you be able to do nobody but myself for us? Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. Okay. Um, so this, this is a poem called Nobody But Myself. I think my depression is sexy. When I see her dancing to jazz tunes under blue light in a wooden bar, her dark curls sway with her hip clicks and honey-colored drink, I think... My depression is a movie star. But maybe no one let her read the script. She's quick to improvisation, played out with such motivation. You'd never guess. She's pretending. 
I think my depression makes magic. I've never seen someone make sadness disappear the way she does. The drinking persistence or her magician's assistant erase the bad days in an instant. She saws her anxieties in half, and unable to cadaver them back, she breathes a nervous laugh. I think my depression feels nothing. At least she tells me so while she stumbles home sloppy, swaying. She's laying on my side of the bed when she drunkenly mumbles she wishes she was dead, but maybe it's all in my head, so I don't worry. I won't wake her. Tomorrow, I'll keep trying to save her. I think my depression is lonely. She never leaves my side. But she won't eat the food I make her, and I can't predict when she's going to cry. I tell her she has to try. So on the bad days, we snip the sizing tags from her jeans and tape the self-harming scissors shut. On the bad days, we dance shoeless and tell each other we are enough. And on the good days, because we still have good days, she wonders why she ever tried to give up. But one good day is never enough. I think my depression is suicidal. I tell her, if she won't love her, I will. Because even the shit pieces increase her uniqueness, I tell her she won't believe this. But she's the only good thing I've got. She's the only one who reminds me to feel something. I want to feel something. I want to feel as real as my depression feels to me. So please, I beg of her, don't leave. It's getting worse. She screams, but I'm quick to burst. I love you. I loved you first. I think, I think I am my depression. And I think my depression is sexy. I think I am complex. I am loud. I am beautiful. I am strong. I think if I wasn't this good at being sad, I wouldn't have made it this long. I think my depression is my superpower. I think my depression allows me to feel. I think my depression must be a poet. Because a lot of people believe or think or know. And when you believe or think or know, you are a lot of other people. But my depression, she feels. I feel. And the moment I feel, I am nobody but myself. Wow. Mm. That was incredible. 
thanks. I have the chills. Oh, yeah. thanks for listening. No, that was really great. Thank, Thank you, you so for much. sharing that. Thanks. Yeah, it uh, it puts some things into words that I wouldn't have come up with on my own. The way that you're able to personify depression um, and really take an objective look at it and say, this isn't going away. I've tried everything and it's here to stay. So I might as well love it. I might as well learn to live with it and learn to use some of the powers, as you say, that come come along with it. And I think that can really only start to happen when we stop fighting it. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I got diagnosed when I was 15, and uh, they're like, you have clinical depression and panic attacks and anxiety, and it's never going to go away. And so um, I was such an impressionable age. I was like, okay, okay, um, I'm the depressed girl. Okay, that's who I am. This is This is my identity. And... After fighting it for so long, uh, especially being medicated for so long on so many different types right. of medication, uh, it's yeah. like always trying to like suppress her, you know, personifying depression, just trying to suppress her um, and hide her and make excuses for her. Um, I was just so sick of it because it's really, uh, if you look at, I studied English in, in college and um, you look at all my favorite artists and they're all alcoholics or committed suicide or right. super depressed and um and they always talk about you know the the tortured artists and yeah i mean when i am depressed some of my best writing comes out when i am anxious it produces some of my best writing so why am i trying to quell that why am why am i trying to hush that um and so that first line you know i think my depression is sexy uh, it just was you know, let me say something to her that maybe she's never heard before. Right. Maybe something that'll keep her around. And maybe we can work together at this because I know she's going to come around. My depression is going to come around, but it doesn't have to be awful. We can have a good time. You know, we can we can really uh, bounce off each other and, and use the energy to produce something positive for both of us. Right. No, that's very well said. Yeah. I yeah. love that. Such a great mentality. I mean, it's like the only way, right? Especially yeah. when they, it's it's forever. It doesn't go away. It might go away for some periods, right? But it comes back, and I I just don't think it's that bad. And it just kills me, <laughs> you know, for lack of a better phrase. It really, um, it's painful to hear people say, "Oh, you know, I'm going to my therapist," or like it's all whispered, or like, right? Oh, it's hush. We, we can't talk about that. We can't talk, we can't about, talk about, it. about people's right. depression. Like, you can't be sad. It's not allowed. Yeah, you know? or even just like you know, people saying, "Oh, well, here's a heavy topic," you know, even and it's like it is a heavy topic. It totally is, mm -hmm. but it's not something we can't. It's not taboo. It's not not at all. And I think, you know, and that's why Rob and I have talked about this and that's why I've, I use the coin, the phrase mental opportunity and I use it in all of our out of remind events because uh, once you say to someone, hey, um, oh, have you been, oh, I've just been working through a mental opportunity lately that's been taking up a lot of my time and I think I'm getting close, but it's just right. been, I've been writing a lot and trying to, trying to suss it out. I'm just working through it. People are like, oh, cool. Like, what's that? You know, right. <laughs> what have you been doing? Can I have like, one? Can, <laughs> I, can, I, have one? can <laughs> I hear your song? You know? Right. <laughs> so it just opens up, it puts a positive spin on, um, 
on something that can totally be positive. It's just perspective. And something that you can totally and should totally talk about. Right. Um, that's something I've been trying to carve out the space in my life for lately is being really honest with that internal voice. And if it's depressed, letting people know in my own way. And now I know I can just say I'm dealing with a mental opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> and people that sounds are so a lot confu- better. They're so confused sounds a lot that they're better. just like, great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> like, cool. Right. <laughs> like afraid to ask. Right. Of, yeah. Yeah. It sounds a lot better than like, man, I just can't even leave my room. There's a lot of shit going on. (laughs) Mental opportunity. Mental opportunity. Yeah. How, how does your, your mental health impact the work that you do? I'm thinking really from a creative sense here, and I want to open, open this up to both of you guys, because I think we just hit on a really interesting dialectic, which is Maybe there are some parts of anxiety and depression and mania that can be really good for creating if you can use it as that power and kind of hone in on that. Have you guys had that experience at all? Yeah, definitely. Probably um, the first three or four years of writing, you know, it all came from depression or anxiety. You know, it came from that place of wanting to explain and find what's going on in my head, you know, and figure it out for myself. So it it came out in writing. Right. And, yeah. So you you almost feel like without depression and anxiety, you may have nothing to write about. Um, I guess maybe at that time I did. Um, But I know... Now, I think it it helped me fall in love with the art of songwriting. Yeah, you know, at because I needed that at that time. I needed to write and I needed to express myself in that manner. And now I've like, wow, this is a this is a a great uh, coping mechanism, right? You know, uh, so so now if I need to, if I'm depressed, then yes, yeah, sometimes my work it comes out and I'm depressed and it comes out on the page and maybe I feel better or maybe I'm not depressed and it still comes out in another way. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think, yeah, I mean, you can definitely use it for perspective, mm -hmm. um, just like you were saying, and and totally work it to your advantage. I think with my my depression or my anxiety, you know, both at once or all at the same time, you never know. Um, I get a lot of circular thinking and uh, I'll get kind of caught in like a thought um, and kind of be seeing it from every angle anyway. And when I write, I write to music and, Mm. uh, but it's not, it's not, it's just one song. Like I'll find a song that evokes a particular emotion that kind of helps me stay on a thread. Uh, Just a line trying to helps me stay on that, that feeling and I can pull from that. And so um, I think, you know, call it depression, call it just uh, creating and just being weird, I guess, but I'll listen to that same song for as long as it takes to get the poem out. So it could be anywhere from an hour to 10 hours to, right. you know, I'm listening to the same song and weeks gone by and, and no one, I think God, I hardly ever have passengers in my van <laughs> because it's the same song. I've really driven from North Carolina to New Jersey listening to one song because I was writing something in my head. Um, and I think it, it's a, it, it's a nice, um, 
You know that's a form of torture, right? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, look at me. It's <laughs> a product of torture. <laughs> you said you got chills. You liked the poem, no, I did like the poem. So if it takes listening to uh, one song for 10 hours, then Black so be keys. it. So be it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Just Toto on repeat. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah. That's great. Can we ask what song it was? For Nobody But Myself? Yeah. Uh, it was um, Bare Bones by Rainbow Kitten Surprise. Nice. Bare yeah. Bones. Okay. Yeah. So that's a shout out to Boone. Boone's got some great, a great music scene. Just a sure tiny does. plug over there. But yeah, Rainbow yeah. Kitten Surprise is one of our proudest uh, products. They play here quite a bit. And I know they get a lot of attention. Oh, and... they're massive now. Yeah, they're yeah, it's amazing. It's great to see. Yeah, but they're, I listen, I love them. They're fantastic. They're really great to write to. Tell me a little bit about the Boone music scene, how it compares to Asheville, some things that you see that are similar, mm-hmm. maybe some things that you like better about the way things are out in Boone. Um, yeah, I'm very partial. I, I know. Really, I, I know. That's why I said it that way. Boone so much. Um, and I've hang out in Asheville quite a bit. Yeah. But Boone is, uh, it's a younger scene for sure. Um, and it um, is just a lot more. In my opinion, in my experience, because I've been more immersed in the Boone scene, is that it's a bit more supportive in the sense that people are not afraid to experiment and also not afraid to or just more inclined to be in, you know, five different bands. You know, everybody's kind of helping each other create whatever they need to create. Um, and the poetry scene uh, in Boone is phenomenal i mean right. just coming out of appalachian state you have uh, uh lyric is the poetry club on campus i've done some work with them and, ta- and gone and given talks to them and have gone to their open mics and incredibly talented people and what i noticed and um what i always encourage poets to do on stage is Please memorize. Right. Please do not get up there and read off your phone. It, a piece of me dies every time someone reads off a phone when they're reading a poem. It's just, I mean, if it comes from the heart, you should take the time to memorize it. Um, and if it's something new, at least write it on a piece of paper. Oh, gosh. When, truly, when people go up with laptop, laptops. Or a big iPad. Or, oh, it's yeah. laughable. It's like yeah. that. It's like holding a cookie cooking sheet like a cooking sheet right. in front of your face right. <laughs> it's just silly yeah. um, and so I've seen uh, a lot more poets memorize and take the time to memorize in Boone than I have um, in Asheville interesting yeah but yeah. I mean you never know some people can just be getting started and uh, I mean getting up in front of the mic regardless is a phenomenal thing and you should never be you shouldn't not having memorized a piece shouldn't hold you back at all right but if, if you really want to get into it and you really want to connect with your audience, you must memorize because eye contact is, you get so much more out of it. Right. So much. It's like talking to a wall if you have something in front of your face while you're reading it. You don't get what you can, all the potential out of open mic, which is a connection with other people. And I think that's what I really connected to about your piece. Um, I've seen videos of you performing it. But being sitting here two feet from you, getting the eye contact, mm-hmm. getting the emotion that's coming out of you, I think you really kind of get the full experience of what a piece is supposed to tell. Right. And I think the same is to be said for a musician as well. Um, if I see someone who doesn't take the time to commit lyrics to memory mm-hmm. um, or somebody who even has a music stand, I make a mental note of it. I don't know if I judge it. Maybe I do. 
but yeah, um, it's the same thing. It's I think it's the art of performance. It know? is, right. and that's the thing. You can be a musician, you can be a poet, but if you're a performer, you're on a whole different different level. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of those other things that you think go into making a good performer and kind of taking that a step further? Nate, I know you've done some busking in Asheville. What what are the differences um, if I'm going to go up on stage in front of a captive audience and share my music or share my poems? Or if I'm going to be out in front of Mass General trying to create that energy and want to captivate people? Are there differences in how you perform? Versus busking or on a stage? Yeah. Um, I don't take busking as seriously, but... I, for the most part, if I'm playing, I play the same if I'm playing a song, you know, and if I have listeners, especially, you know, if I don't have listeners, that's another thing. If like no one's out and there's like every minute someone walks by, it's like, unless I'm really lost in the song. Right. But that, I guess, is the main goal is to like get to that point where I can lose myself in the song. And that's where I I find my ability to perform I guess and if I'm on a stage then I want I feel like if I can lose myself in the song and find the picture that's going through my head when I wrote this song maybe it'll be portrayed to the people in the audience and maybe they'll feel that Mm. you know yeah Uh, yeah. are there any differences to the craft I mean the things that you would need to be successful as a busker. I I imagine there's a little more glam to it, if you will. Like you have to kind of look the part and play it up a little bit and maybe add anything you can to draw people in other than just your sound. Yeah, definitely. And I don't really do that. Yeah. (laughs) I I do busking mostly as an outlet for myself. It's a way to practice. A way to (laughs) practice and uh, maybe some extra cash. Right. But, I have like explored like, you know, dressing up, dressing the part and like kind of playing the part, trying right. to be a character. And I've had a lot of fun with it, um, with that. But yeah, there's definitely some glam to it. Yeah. Busking's so hard as it took me, I've done it, um, the past two years and I did it in Paonia, Colorado, which was just for fun. We were just practicing. Mm-hmm. We actually made some money. I did it with my friend. Paige O'Donovan, who's an incredible singer, songwriter. And um, and then we did it on Pearl Street in Boulder. And it was super difficult. Um, we had her dog and uh, in, in Paonia, and her dog will, when she hits the high notes, her dog will howl <laughs> with her. Yeah. So that got quite a few tips. Like that oh, was yeah. the, the draw. But oh, it's yeah. really, really hard to perform poetry on the street because you have people walking by. Maybe they hear a line. Maybe they stay and listen. Maybe they don't. You know. Right. So it's 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 a really difficult. I I wouldn't do it if I didn't have someone playing music with me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the guy in Asheville who writes poetry on demand? Oh, on the as, typewriters. As busking. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen a couple of them. Interesting around. concept. I think Nate. Maybe you got a poem from him. Uh yeah, I got a one poem from uh this this kid Daniel that I know. Uh, he's not here anymore, but or in this town. But yeah, I thought it was it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's a neat way to maybe circumvent that and take something that is maybe harder to share in that setting, poetry, and still make it unique and something that people can take with them. 
Yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely a shtick because it's, it's tangible too. You right. Know? I think uh, out of any busker, I don't know if that's if they make more than music, but they might. You know, because it's something people can hold on to. And right. You know. Right. I just gotta work on my. My forearm strength, if you're going to carry a type, carry that type yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always see them, and some of them have got big rigs, and I'm yeah, like, shit, yeah. is your van close by? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. You just assume that they live in a van? <laughs> <laughs> At this point, yeah. It's uh, funny. 90% yeah, probably yeah. live in a van. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a great way to bring it back. We we talked about quite a bit today between just the van life, uh, maybe some struggles, um, good and bad, with anxiety and depression. Um, I, I think we might have kind of cut that conversation short a little bit. I'm not sure if there's any saved ammunition or thoughts that you guys have on anxiety or depression, um, your your diagnosis of those things, or just what it was like finding out for yourself that you have them. Um, and what that journey has been like. Is there anything that comes up for either one of you on that? Um, finding my depression. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't have anything right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think, um, I, I don't know. I, I, like I say in the poem and I'm, I meant every word cause I wrote it. I really think that depression is my superpower because, um, it's allowed me to connect with people in a way that they otherwise wouldn't connect with anybody else because at this point, I mean, shoot, it's no secret, you know, like I've started a nonprofit organization right. for mental health right? and I've branded myself as like a suicide prevention speaker. So right. there's, you know, I'm very, very open about it. Um, and I think just my being open about it and and when I perform and I'm sure when you perform I I mean that's it's a common common occurrence for people to come up to me and just say you know thank you yeah I felt you um it was a release for me and then they'll tell me some story about their experience with mental health and it just opens the door it just it just it it um it gives I think it helps give other people confidence you know when you write something that comes from the heart and something that's relative to the head, um, people are, are they become free. They, they get a free trip in the van. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, people can definitely feel that. That's something we talk about quite a bit, Nate, is if we're out at a performance watching a band or watching an artist, I, I think people can tell when something's authentic and where it's coming from. Absolutely. And I think for me, that's the most important part of performance art is if I can see through something and it doesn't feel authentic to me, I'm going to have a really hard time staying engaged and connected. Oh, totally. But if I can tell that what I'm hearing is coming from a genuine place, um, more times than not pretty, pretty captivated by it. Yeah good performance it's like nobody wants to watch bad acting right yeah that's a great way to put it it comes from the heart it's mm. a full body experience yeah yeah i think uh something that's been a really interesting part of the journey for me is just figuring out number one the difference between my depression and anxiety mm. because i think they can manifest in similar ways sometimes mm -hmm. And also just learning exactly how it is that they show themselves in my body. Right. That's something I've been trying to meditate on quite a bit is just, okay, what is this that I'm feeling? Oh, it's just anxiety, back paying a visit. 
I need to go lay down for an hour or like eat some chocolate or just get into a different environment, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think when you can start to learn your body and learn your mind in that way, you can really help minimize the impact that those things can have on you. Oh, totally. Um, And I think it comes back to what you were saying before, which is just being open about it. Mm -hmm. Being able to communicate with the people around you that, hey, I'm just in this really anxious place today and I'm having a hard time. Could you give me some space? Yeah, just getting creative and expanding your vocabulary. You know, that's why why I came up with mental opportunity. That's why I came up with inky black days, my black dogs following me around, you know, just whatever makes sense to you, however... It you reminds can... me of uh, Big Mouth on Netflix. Uh, it's a, a show that just came out recently. And one of the personifications, if you will, that they have in there is Depression Kitty. <laughs> um, so it's this cartoon cat that follows one of the characters around. And that's something I was visualizing while you were reading your poem before. It's just oh, like this fitting. really kind of cute <laughs> way to talk about depression that, you know, it can make you feel pretty intensely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. But I mean, again, and this is something we've talked about before is that it was so much easier. The moment I decided to personify my mental health as somebody outside of me was the moment I was able to finally take care of her Mm. and address my my depression and actually take care of myself. Right. Um, Because it's so much easier to to bring soup to your friend when you're sick. And it's so difficult for some reason for us to take Advil when we have a headache or, you know, take a lie down when we've been going at it too hard. You know, it's just, it's when it's somebody else, um, we care. So we're much more inclined to care. Yeah. If only soup would make us feel less depressed, uh, well, right? Actually, we can just eat some soup and we're <laughs> good to go. Great You're going to have to share, the, soup. <laughs> share the recipe. No soup for you. <laughs> <laughs> but I want some. Uh, is there is there something a tangible thing that you give yourself as a treat or a way to take care of that um, depression when she's around, like a go to? Like if I have this, I know it will help, even if it's only a little bit. Oh my gosh, I knit like a crazy person, Rob. Really? Yeah, I knit like a mad woman. Yeah, when I'm super anxious, I just I'm like, oh, all right, my anxiety's here. I'm freaking out. I'm like doing this with my hands. Let's make a hat. Yeah. Like, who needs a hat? You know, you can ask. I'm living my neighbors, all of them, they all wear these goofy hats. And you can tell from a mile away that I made them because they yeah. all look the same. Yeah. And everybody, yeah, all my friends have hats. It's so sad. They wear them. They're really sweet about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's a treat for me. And with my depression, um, I'll go for a walk. Yeah. yeah. I'll go for just a walk. I'm all about a good hot bath. Not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. Something about it is just meditative and very introspective. You're trapped in this place with no outside influence and you have to, you got to work it out. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm working, you know? I'm working on the plumbing in the van, Rob. You can yeah. be the oh. first one to try out the hot tub. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're on to something. <laughs> Vans need hot tubs. Oh gosh. All right. Well, I think we're just about out of time. I'm looking at uh, Matt over here, see how we're doing on time. Yep, I think this is a, a pretty good place to wrap, guys. This has been really, really just incredible. I'm so happy to have had both of you on here today. I um, think I learned a lot and really appreciate you sharing your art with me and mm, just sharing your you. experiences. Um 
Again, this has been called Breathing Room. I'm your host, Rob Lavati, and I was joined today by Kat Dolan and Nathan Robinson. Um, sometime later this week, I'll be speaking to some members of a local band. Um, just throw a little teaser out there. Oh, not going to give gosh. too much information. Rob, you didn't oh, tell me. I'm so excited for you. <laughs> I know. I'm keeping it under wraps. <laughs> okay. So uh, stay tuned for that. And until then, uh, don't forget to breathe. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.